Welcome in. Before we get rolling, I want to tell you about the awesome sponsors that are keeping this free for you guys. First on the list, we have Pacific Custom Calls. If you're looking for a waterfowl call at all, ducks, geese, cranes, whatever you're after, uh, Pacific Calls have got it. I personally run the uh, 509 Goose Call. Been doing it for a couple years, and I love it. Haven't had any issues with it yet. Uh, the guys over there are awesome. So if you're looking for a new call, you can find them at PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, search them up. Find what you need. If they don't have it, they will soon. Next, we have DuckSeason.com. Uh, this is a website where you can go on, uh, put in your location, where you're at, what you hunt, what you go after, and you can link up with people from across the country and see what they go after, where they're at, and you guys can trade hunts. Uh, it's an awesome deal. If you uh, don't have the money to do a guided hunt or you don't want to have a guide and you just kind of want to do somewhat freelance, this is a uh, great way to do it. So get on there, get signed up. just takes a couple seconds to uh, get your info in there and you're uh, on the list and people can search through your state and find you. And It's a great thing. I'm on it. Look for me there. Maybe we can trade a hunt someday. Now we have Easy Deeks uh, decoy rigging systems, decoy weight systems. They do Texas rigs, timber rigs, whatever you're looking for for your floating uh, decoys or decoy bags or anything like that. They got it there. Uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff on there. Their website is the letters E-Z-Dekes.com. Um, a lot of cool things on there. Go check them out. Now we got Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's down in the San Antonio area. He's chasing all sorts of ducks and geese down there along with some fishing. Uh, if you're down in the area looking for uh, some birds or for some fishing, give him a call. His number is 361 494 seven eight six eight now for your decoy needs you should go check out big al's decoys uh silhouettes of about any word you can think of he's got on there uh swans ducks geese pigeons turkeys and uh possibly some more cool things in the future big things so uh if you're looking for some decoys go check them all out they got bags and everything on the site uh it's big al's decoys.com b-i-g-a-l-s-d-e-c-o-y-s.com and on to uh, a custom lanyard site. If you're looking to uh, get a new lanyard, hang your calls on, looking for something to get customized, uh, Landon does a great job. He's at uh, Darkwater Customs. You can find him on Instagram and put an order through him that way, at dark underscore water underscore customs. Get on there, check it out. He does some awesome work. Uh, not just lanyards, he does haulers too. So uh, get after it. Go get him. Go get something cool from him. Now we've got Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano over in Northeast Kansas. He specializes in waterfowl, turkey, deer. I know for waterfowl season coming up, he's uh, ready and raring to go. So if you're looking for a hunt over in that area, give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. And last but not least, we have Highline Retrievers. That's my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. Uh, if you're looking to get your dogs trained, if you're looking for advice... Uh, whatever you need, I'm always available. I'm always uh, willing to help out. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And then if you need to get a hold of me, uh, my number is 406-783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And enjoy the show. Well, the took wing, shotgun singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three and looked back grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload. The country was. Alright, welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. 
Today, I've got Mike on. Mike, we just said this. I'm not going to try to say your last name, so why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Mike Langledick, and I'm from Lufkin, or I live in Lufkin, Texas, originally from Maine. Okay. How'd you get to Texas? Uh, oh, back 10 years ago or so, I, I had some friends down here working on a on a deer ranch, and the oil field was booming, and I had... Uh, I had a, I had a friend down here working and, and they knew a guy that was looking for a mechanic and they called me and we struck a deal and I came down for a couple of years and worked and then we went home for some family stuff and oh, about a year ago now we, we were pretty well sick of the cold so we bought a house and moved back to Texas. What are you mechanic on? Uh, mostly forestry equipment. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. some gnarly stuff. I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, yeah no, that's... Uh, I worked on a lot of that back in Maine and then, and then believe it or not here in East Texas, they probably cut more wood than they do in the state of Maine. All the pines. All the pines that stretch from here to Florida, Georgia. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Arkansas, Louisiana, all of them. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's all, that's just a big strip of woods here, but. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause as soon as you say Texas instantly, you think a oil field type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Flat. And yeah. And if, if you get into South Texas or West Texas, there's, you know, you just get out in that scrub country and that's, that's all they do. You know, there's ranching and, and oil field, but all right. over here we're in the woods. Now, I guess you went over there because you were tired of the cold, but do you prefer Texas over Maine? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's, it's a different world. I mean, Texas is good. It's, it's, uh, it's probably a little cheaper to live. Um, you don't get the cold, but the, of course I moved down here and we have record breaking summer. We've had for the past three months, it's been, uh, I don't know, 105 to 108 every day. And so, so we definitely, we, we achieved getting out of the cold, but now I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. So were you there when that, uh, ice storm went through like two winters ago? It was, did you have to deal with um, that? I, I wasn't living here. We had actually come down. We were starting to, think about moving and we were just we came down that week to tour around texas and just look at some parts we hadn't seen and the night before we left san antonio got two inches of snow and we sat in a hotel room for an extra week <laughs> do you kind of laugh at them well I, I guess i know how much snow maine gets but when they get a little bit of snow down there everything shuts down yeah we're used yeah, to driving I mean, they don't they, they don't have any way to handle it so so two inches of snow shut everything down they lost power no flights could get in or out they had no way to remove the snow nobody knows how to drive in it yeah my friend I mean, we, my friend joel he's from well he's from up here but he lives down in texas and uh he's got like a jeep what's that jeep that's got like the pickup is it renegade or something oh uh, was it like a gladiator maybe that's what maybe. It is. he's got one of those yeah. so he's got four-wheel driving he said when that was going on there was a uh, vehicles all over in the ditch things were stuck everyone was scared they wouldn't even go outside he just woke up he, was, he said it was beautiful because he was just the only one out and about just cruising around yeah. no traffic first time ever yeah so yeah it uh we had a we had a rental convertible mustang and uh we found a target down the road and we went in there and and we bought all the frozen pizzas and cases of beer and and jars of peanut butter it, there was no restaurants open there was nothing but our hotel room had a had a refrigerator and a toaster, so toasted pizza, toasted pizzas and cold beer all week. Heck yeah! <laughs> so, what do you do in the outdoors? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm mostly I'm a waterfowl hunter and I love to fish and uh, probably mostly bass fishermen. But down here, we've been getting into the crappie and 
now we're getting so we get down to the Gulf of Mexico and we've been chasing some of the redfish and speckled trout down there. That's pretty cool. So you're just doing it from shore then, or you got a boat? No, I've got a boat. I've got a 19 foot boat, and uh, it does about everything we need to do. We can't go out in the big, big water, but we don't need to. So, yeah, that scared the crap out of me. I'm okay with staying yeah. on shore. <laughs> no, nah, it's uh, I mean, we used to, you know, we always see that kind of out of just a 20 foot aluminum boat. But... See, well, I guess you're kind of in the same view. Being a mechanic, I've seen engines quit for the dumbest reasons and i don't want to be out there middle nowhere and have something quit on me yeah we uh oh right before i got married my buddies took me on a shark fishing trip out of the coast off the coast of maine and we were coming in and and the boat we were on quit and i we i ended up working on that so we could just go home but i've been i've done that out have you heard of fort peck up here in montana yeah we had a boat quit on us out pretty much in the middle of that it was me and a pile of guys and uh i was doing some uh inebriated mechanicking <laughs> on it with what we had which was like a yeah. screwdriver and maybe a pliers i think that was so rusted it wouldn't even open and uh there's enough guys though we had to take turns with the uh, pull cord because we were starting to get blisters on our hands and finally got it fired and out of there but nice i know what that means so, so you're, what are you, an ag mechanic? Yeah, John Deere. Yeah. Yep, they're all the same. Just spark plugs yep. and wires or diesel and glow plugs. There you go. You, you field tech or you in the shop? Field. Yeah. Field this time of year, and then once we get to wintertime, then we're on the shop. There's not much tractors cruising around except for uh, feed tractors in the winter. Right. So. Right. All right. So, let's go like this. How did how did you get involved in duck season? How did you guys get that going? So uh, originally, actually, actually first cut you off like that uh, for the people that didn't listen to like episode two with Eddie salt about what duck season is. Could you explain what duck season.com is? Sure. So, so duck season.com is a website that, that our friend Ed started and uh, it, it's, there's a forum on there and, and the premise of the website is, to trade hunts and so you could go on there and you can sign up and make a profile and then you can you can offer up you can offer up a hunt on on whatever you have in your area or you could make a post looking to go on a hunt and and i mean there's really no rules and there's no you know there's no set limit you just it, it's a way for people to get in contact with each other and do things a little less expensive than than maybe hiring a guide or or something like that it can you know you can you can tailor it to your needs exactly and like you said there's a forum in there too forums like if uh you wanted to learn something or if you got something to type up you think you got some info on something you want to share with the world it's pretty cool like that so now explain how you're part of this okay so back in 20 16 or 17 uh i had a friend named phil he passed away about a year ago and um he knew a guy who knew uh our friend blake and and i I, i've been doing some sea duck hunting some eider hunting off the coast of maine and and phil went with me a handful of times and and he he asked me if i wanted to go on a snow goose hunt north dakota sure i've never been and and he said well the deal is we're gonna swap an eider hunt next winter with this guy so yep no problem so we flew out 
to North Dakota and went on a three-day hunt with with Blake and a couple other guys, Drew, cousin Drew, and a couple other guys, and just kind of struck up a friendship. So the following year, Blake and Drew come back and hunted hunted with us for, I think, three days. That was the day that, that Drew's talking about was so cold. And, um, and then I think the following year, Drew couldn't make it. So Blake was friends with, with Eddie of duck season through their regular jobs. And he brought Eddie up and, and Ed didn't live too far from me. So we hunted together for two or three days and Ed and I got to be friends. And, and from there it's just taken off. So Ed and I would get together and hunt. He's got camp in Vermont. We'd go upland hunting or, or, uh, you know, we'd come out and hunt with, with, with Blake out, out here in the Dakotas. I think two years ago, I had another mutual, I had another friend out in Nebraska. He invited us out. We went out and hunted his snow goose spread for a couple of days. And it's just, you know, it's turned into a friendship and it's cool because it's all over the country. So I don't get to see these guys a lot, but we usually get together and try to hunt once a year together. That's pretty cool. I didn't know the whole story. That uh, that hunt that Drew said was so cold, he still claims that's the one that ruined him so he doesn't have any uh, toes or fingers anymore. As soon as it gets cold, yeah, I just he, quit on him. He, yeah, he'd be, he'd be a little overly dramatic. Well, it was cold. But I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what's funny is he, he says how cold it was those couple of days, but I think the following year we went out and hunted in, in South Dakota, and Drew found this field, and we hunted it. We, we put the spread out and it started snowing just about daylight and the birds came to the e collar and we had a burner and, but it was, it was driving snow and ice and the wind was blowing and, and, and I swear that's the coldest day I've ever hunted. If you have not heard yet, we are doing an awesome waterfowl gear giveaway to uh, start out season here. It's going to be a six week giveaway, one prize every week for six weeks. Uh, every episode will have one winner drawn in it and announced. The first winner will be drawn September 6th. The next one will be September 13th, September 20th, September 27th, October 4th, and October 11th. The sponsors that are putting this on, a ton of thanks to them. That's uh, Darkwater Customs. Uh, he makes lanyards and haulers. Uh, Pacific Calls is putting in two calls, a duck call and a goose call. Easy Deeks is putting up some uh, timber rigs. We got a case of shotgun shells from Highline Retrievers, and uh, Big Al's Decoys is putting in five dozen decoys with a bag. September 6th is going to be the lanyard. September 13th will be the uh, Deuces Duck Call from Pacific Calls. Timber Rigs will be September 20th from Easy Deeks. September 27th will be an Ivory 509 Goose Call from Pacific Calls. October 4th will be the case of shotgun shells. And then October 11th will be five dozen Big Al's decoys with the bag. So that's the lineup. Uh, to get signed up, you have to go to the pinned post on the Woods and Water Instagram page. It's W underscore W underscore podcast. All the details to enter are in there. Uh, it's pretty simple. You got to take three friends in the comments on that. Follow all of the Instagram pages for all of the sponsors. You have to be subscribed to the podcast. Once you've done those... Screenshot the proof that you are subscribed to the podcast. Send that in a direct message to the Woods and Water podcast page. I'll see that. I'll go through make sure you've done all the other things. Subscribe to everyone else and tag three friends. Once you've done that, I'll enter you in. Uh, there's a chance to get a bonus entry if you share it to your story. That will also pop up for me 
if you shared it, shared it to your story. So I'll, I will enter you in a second time for that. Again, thank you to the sponsors that are putting this on. This is an awesome giveaway. A lot of cool things in here. You guys aren't going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure you tell your friends about it. Let's get a bunch of people in this. Um, the more people we get involved, the more cool giveaways like this we can do. And uh, this is actually really, really cool, awesome one I'm very excited about. So I really hope you guys are too. Uh, if you have any questions, you message me. Make sure you get entered and good luck. Huh. He's probably just, well, what you guys were doing with the water splashing on you is something new to him, wasn't to you guys. And you guys probably just weren't used to the bitter wind cold that we get. Yeah, you guys got that wide open and, and the wind always blows and, and our cold was a little different up there, but. Yeah, it's all in what you're used to, I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised all the snow goose, goose hunts you guys did. We never linked up. I know it. But I know it. One of these years, probably, if you keep on coming out. We can remedy that easy enough. Oh yeah. Um. Also, next time you're talking to Blake, make sure you hound him about coming on this show. We started it last November, and it's been uh, yeah, I'll do it one of these days since then. So every time i try to uh, get him to come on he always finds somebody else to come on in his place you're the, you're the latest one yeah yeah the first one was eddie salt eddie salt that was like episode two it was supposed to be blake and he's like i can't do it uh get head on and he gave me ed's number yeah. and that's how that got started so oh no and now ed's busy now i'm i'm help, i'm doing it but um yeah he just had a congrats ed when you listen to this he just had his is it third kid Third kid. Yep. Oh. Had a, he had a little girl this time. So good for him. So now, now he's in deep trouble. Cause yeah, well, I got two or one boy and two girls. So he's got a ways to go yet. There you go. Um, they, um, they got out there opening day of early goose there. I think they shot a two man limit. He took his, he took his oldest boy with him. He's not old, old enough to shoot yet, but, but he sure loves to go. Yeah. That's where my son is too. I bring him along every chance I can. This is the first weekend, well, first antelope hunt he didn't want to go with me with yesterday. And it was 96 degrees when I said, do you want to go with? And he said, no, it's too hot. Basically. Really? Still? You guys are up in the 90s still? Yeah. it's. Well, it was 94 when I got out of the pickup when I came in an hour or so ago. So That's about what it is down here right now. Yep. It's supposed to be 64 for a high tomorrow, I think, though. We're cooling off oh, for a day or two and then heat back up again. Yeah, we nice. hot summers and cold winters. That's so you get up here on the plains. Yeah. Let's see real quick. Yeah. Sixty-eight tomorrow. Sixty-eight for high tomorrow. Nope. Sixty-seven for high tomorrow. Now dropped it down one, and then seventy-one, and then eighties to nineties next week. Yeah. But good. Give these dogs running around here for bird season a break. Some of these out-of-state hunters have been running dogs for three days straight now, ninety degrees. I don't know how they can do it. That's a good way to kill a dog. Good way to wear them out start the season wore out yeah but so where all have you been where have you chased birds around at or i guess where have you hunted at anything oh where have i hunted at i've hunted let's see we've hunted maine and new hampshire and vermont and uh in rhode island ed and i have hunted those states together then i've hunted texas oklahoma nebraska north dakota and south dakota i guess for waterfowl hunting did you just stay on the east side of North Dakota and South Dakota, or did you make it more central? No, we made, we just stayed on the east side. I figured so. Hung around I those I think guys. the first time I was there, we were maybe an hour or two west of Fargo. Oh, so you really didn't still, make it. 
Yeah, and then and then the the following year we flew in we flew into North Dakota, but they still had snow, so we jumped in the rental car. We ended up driving like six hours south down into South Dakota and met up with Drew, and we just kind of hopped from hotel to hotel for two or three days. Hmm. Been there, done that a couple times. Last year that'll wear you out. Wasn't last year? Two years ago? Or was it last year? Well, last year, yeah, the snow never melted. It seemed like they kind of went around the snow line. The North Dakota and South Dakota just stayed, and it seemed like they went around it. Because we were, yeah, I was supposed to come up last year and hunt with with Blake, but I I can't remember. There was they had snow, and then just, the dates never ended up lining up. We canceled it. Yeah, that was us too. We normally go. What is it? The f- last weekend in April, or is it the last weekend in March? can't remember but normally when we go it's just like the first good big push so it's yeah. adults but that's about when i can do it with uh seating coming up for us so that's when we usually go and then they they still had snow on the ground the snow geese were still i think nebraska <laughs> south dakota and we didn't want to drive all the way down there so we just kind of hung out and waited and then it just like the snow never melted it just kept hanging around and then i was in yeah. seating and it slipped by yeah so where's your favorite state that you've been to hunt Probably North Dakota. I've never been a place that had so many birds as North Dakota. As far as waterfowl or just birds in yeah. general? Yeah, waterfowl. What's your favorite? Are you a goose guy, duck guy, snow goose? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a duck guy. What do you like? Which puddlers or divers? Start there. Puddlers. All right. Land or water? Um, I like hunting land, but. The majority of my life, I've always hunted water. I suppose being there on the coast, that uh, yeah. Where, I mean, you know, are like you in Maine? The... There's there's water everywhere. Like potholes, like North Dakota, or is it just like um, big lakes think, or what? I think I think Maine alone has over three thousand lakes, <sighs> and, and rivers and streams and swamps and you know, I mean, usually early season. A lot of times we'd go find some old beaver pond somewhere and it'd be just loaded up with wood ducks and you could put the smack down on them. Have you done any of the uh, river hunting? Like, like the, uh, like, like those small rivers or creeks or whatever, where the mallards pile in on those two. Or yes. is that, okay. yep. What do you think we, of that? Cause I've never, I've never tried it, but it looks like if you get them to where they're on that river, it's pretty much like a channel. Like they're funneled right at you. Yeah. It's it's fun. We had a place back in Maine that was it was not very well known, and it had some current. And late in the season, when everything else would freeze up, there wasn't many places left for the birds to go, but they wouldn't leave. So if you could get down in there, where that current was, I mean, you were you were on the you were automatically on the X. You know, you could just go down in there and pound out a, a limit of birds, and it was fun. So it you, would be how do you set might a be below zero. Yeah. I can imagine, but the running water keeps it open. Right. How shallow is that? Um, this spot had some depth to it. There was a shelf. You'd go out about four feet. No, you could probably go out 10 or 15 feet from shore because it was, it was shallow enough for your decoys to anchors to hit. And there, there was, then there was a shelf that would go right over your head. So you just put the decoys right up against shore there. And... So, yeah, what kind of spread are you putting out then? Like what number-wise and what kind of – you just like plug up the channel Does, with them or what? Nah, dozen mallard decoys. Just set them there and they'll come down yeah, once they see those, them. Though. Those birds are coming anyway. Are they just like staying low, like along the bank, just like following the uh, meander of the river or what? 
No, they would come off this. Um, they'd come off the lake. The lake wouldn't be quite completely frozen yet. And they'd, they'd roost out on that lake. And then in the morning, they'd come in. You know, nice. once the sun got up, they'd get off that lake and come in there feed. And uh, and they just basically dumped. You probably, they really didn't even need a decoy. But it's just a confidence thing. They were coming there anyway. Confidence for you or confidence for the bird? <laughs> confidence for us. The birds are coming. Yeah. That's uh. That's kind of my issue with calling when they when they're committed and they're coming in already. I just feel like I should be making some sort of noise. It's taken a little bit yeah. these last couple of years to calm myself down on that. The confidence deal, right? That that comes from when we started out and we didn't have great spreads or anything, and we had to make up for it with some sort of calling to convince right. them that yeah, this this is somewhat real. And That's so, right. Well, why don't you tell me where was your favorite hunt and tell us the story on it. Uh, favorite hunt man i don't know probably probably one of the ones that sticks out is that hunt in, in south dakota with with drew and uh it was the last day of the hunt and we had i want to say there was eight or nine guys and we went out and it, it got cold overnight we got to the field early and uh you could just about get the socks to stick into the ground the ground was so hard and we put out I don't know. We put out enough socks until somebody finally called it close enough. We, we laid down and I mean, the visibility was 30 or 40 yards, maybe wind was blowing snow and ice. They cranked the e-collar up. And, and by the time when, when you could see the birds, they were in range. You never saw them coming in. They just all of a sudden they materialized out of nothing out of the snow. And, and we, we piled them up and piled them up. And then, Partway through the hunt, some of the guys were driving back to Minnesota, I think, and they they uh, they left, and we stayed, and we burned through all the ammunition we had, and then everybody was going back to the vehicles and looking underneath truck seats and and, and trying to find all the ammo we could. And I think it lasted till one or two o'clock in the afternoon before we finally we got low on ammo and everybody was cold and wet, and the birds were finally slowing down. But it was fun. There was a guy there uh, that they nicknamed him the Goose Nazi. Oh, and he had the, Drew's talked about had, him. Yeah, this guy was, he was a legend. He um, he had this old, like, 1990-something Buick Saber, and and it had no passenger seat in it. He took the passenger seat out and cut a hole through the floorboard and he'd ice fish through it in the wintertime. Sounds like a Minnesota thing. And he took every single one of those birds and filled the trunk of that car and probably threw some in the back seat when he left, like, the ass end of the car is dragging. Going down. <laughs> it was the guy was great. That's the type of guy. He went and cleaned them all and everything himself. Didn't even want help. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a friend of Blake's, and um, this guy was like he was like a modern day mountain man. He he would kill all those birds, or, or he'd take all the birds that were killed and clean them all and fill his freezer and just live on snow goose half the year. And he worked as little as he could manage to work to survive and tried to live off the land the rest of the way. Good Lord, that's the dream. Oh, he was he was cool. We um, I assume he's single. One, what's that? I assume he's single. I yeah, I would I would I would assume I didn't ask, but I don't know very many ladies that'd be cool with that lifestyle. Oh, there's probably some out there, but they're probably a little rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a dream. If I mentioned that to my wife, though, she'd be like, uh, "You got three kids and me. You can go do that, but don't expect us to be home when you figure out it sucks." <laughs> Have a good time, she'll say. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. The goose Nazi. Yeah, Drew's brought him up before. 
Yeah. I wonder if old yeah. Mountain Man even has a phone. Maybe I should try to talk to him one day. And... Yeah, that's that. You ought to see if we get him on there. I think I think somebody said at one time, like he he made a goal one year to kill a limited geese every day of the season, and he did it. That's insane. Canada like, geese. That's insane. Yep. That's a killer. Yeah, he yeah, that guy was a killer for sure. How old was he? Uh, I'm gonna say he was probably in his fifties. That's cool. That's real cool. <laughs> Never grew up. Never grew up. Hell, I, yeah. I envy him in some ways. So, you said that you're a puddle duck guy. What What's your favorite species out of them puddle ducks? Um, I don't know. I mean, I always like I always like to shoot some wood ducks early, and 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 I always love to kill a good greenhead. So, I don't know. I guess I guess I probably. Probably don't have a preference. I'll I'll shoot whatever's flying, but I say uh, that too. Yeah. But if we got something working, then Widgener behind him. I'm gonna tell everybody to wait because I like Widgen. That's my favorite. Is that right? We John. Yeah. yeah, I I haven't killed one of those since I think when I lived in South Texas. I had a place to hunt over there and, and uh, killed one over there. But we never saw. You get a few in Maine, but it was no like regular population of them they just happened to one year one there somebody kill one what do you notice in the difference in the birds between out east there in texas like are they oh. harder more finicky or anything different or is it um, a bird i actually thought where i moved in east texas i'm not that far from louisiana and i'm not too far from the gulf of mexico and i i actually thought there would be more birds than there are there's not that many mallards where i'm at Wood ducks are everywhere, but, but if you get over, you get like in South Texas where I was before, you know, I shot blue wing teal and widgeon and, and a bunch of, and, and gadwall and a bunch of stuff I'd never seen before. I shot a, I actually shot a bufflehead in South Texas. I don't know, I don't know where it came from. Well, we get them we up here every now and again. Coast of Maine. Do you get them up there? North, up, yeah, I mean, we don't have what? giant populations of them, but. Like I remember my dad shooting one in South Dakota when I was a kid, and uh, I've seen them up here, here and there. Yep. Not like there's a steady population of them, but I've seen them. Um, have you ever shot a ruddy, ruddy duck? I've not. That's on the list. They're here, and then like a month before season, they're gone. But it's my wife's favorite one. She wants me to shoot one so we can mount it. That's the only duck she wants mounted in our house, so I'm going to try really? to make it happen. That's her favorite one. Yeah. But... I just uh, I don't I don't really know anybody that's ever shot them. I don't know if people just don't target them or if everybody has the same I, luck as me or what. I don't really know that much about them. People don't talk about it much. Yeah, they're kind of cool looking. Kind of like halfway submarine. I'll just use their tail and their head as they're cruising along. Big blue bill. Right. But maybe one of these days we'll make her happen. There you go. There you go. So where's on your list to go here in the future? Uh. I, I really want to go somewhere and kill a speck. You haven't killed a speck yet. Not killed a speck yet. We, you know, we'd see them. We'd see them in spring. You'd see them by the by the thousands when you come up for conservation season. But but you can't kill them in the spring. Yeah. Um, not supposed to. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, no comment. But <laughs> now they we used to get people like that we tell them it's a big flock of blues coming in and then you know have the rookie oh. people we wouldn't let them actually shoot them but get everybody psyched up the rookies and no don't yeah. shoot those don't shoot those 
Or when swans would come over. Greater snows, we'd call them. Not knowing that there's that. Yeah. yeah, magnums. Yep, magnums. That's it. Yeah. Giant yeah. graders. Have you ever killed a swan? Couple. Yep. Okay. Yep. That'd be something. With it being that woody there, is there much agriculture around to actually be tar- targeting these birds? Or h- how are you doing it over there? Uh, so, there's, so because Texas is so much private ground here that a lot of people have to have a lease but there is there is some public ground and um, like there's a there's a gigantic lake near me it's like 115,000 acres and that's all part of a national forest and you can hunt any of that that you want to and uh, but there's there's a bunch of rivers and streams and you know some backwater stuff that you can get into see why there's a lot of woodies down there then yeah, yeah, and and there's a lot, there's there's plenty of oak trees, so there's a lot of acorns, which obviously brings all the woodies in. But do you guys hold very many teal there then during season, or are they kind of skirt around you? Uh, no, there's some teal around here. I got a our early teal season opens on the tenth, and I got a little place to. Hopefully, they'll still be there, and there won't be six other groups. But I got some teal to hunt, so. That's something that's kind of tough up here because we're far enough north that. They're not here very long once season opens up. Any of our green wings, they're gone before season even starts. And then our blue wings, they're they're not very far behind. Same with those red yeah. ducks. They race out. Yeah, Maine was the same way. You might you might find a little group there if you had a relatively warm fall, but they didn't stick around. But you got a few days on them, they were gone. What else you got going on? Tell me some cool hunting stuff. Oh, I don't know much don't know. about Texas and Maine, so anything yeah. you got is cool. I, I got a good, I got a good, I actually I got a couple of good fishing stories for you. I know it's a hunting podcast, but, uh, oh, we do anything outdoors. We even get trapping on here. So whatever oh, you got, I, I, I haven't been trapping in forever, but, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went out, we went crappie fishing and we were sitting over some structure, you know, feeding minnows to crappie and catching a few. And she hooked into a fish and she said, geez, this isn't a crappie. And, and uh, it kept making these long runs, didn't jump or anything. We finally got it to the net. It was a nine and a half pound largemouth on four pound test. Jeez, how long did she have to fight that then? It was. It probably took five or six minutes. It wasn't. It wasn't forever, but it was a pretty good fight. But I suppose you probably got crappy rigs too, so that would have been really bending the rod and really screaming it. Yeah, Little, uh... yeah, we had crappy rods. It was like a seven foot light duty rod with four pound test, but. Just keep the drag loose and keep working at it. We got it in. That was it was pretty cool. That was our personal bass. What'd you say? Nine pounds? Nine point five pounds. Wow. That's crazy. Oh. That oh, blows yeah. my best out of the water by a lot. Yeah. Then huh. this morning we, we went bass fishing and and the place we were fishing has a bunch of alligators in it. And we always see him out there. We saw this alligator and he kind of made his way over towards us. And I was throwing like a topwater popper. And, and I threw it out kind of in front of him, and I popped it a couple times, and he started following it. And we got this quick little video where he, he came up behind it and took a swipe at it, and I yanked pulled the popper away. But we got him on video. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's crazy. He, I want nothing to do with that, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't really either, but it's weird. Usually they're not that aggressive. Usually you see them, but you see them at a distance, and they go their own way. But this guy, like, I must have made him mad because he hung around behind our boat for a while till we moved off, but... Yeah, you can keep that. Do you do you do much <laughs> water hunting down there to where you worry about those at all, or 
they usually gone by um, then. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. Um, I, I got a lab, and I'm, I'm pretty careful. I try to keep, keep an eye out. If I see anything around like that, we, um, you know, we keep her in the boat and just go pick them up with the boat. But, but yeah, you just gotta be careful. Do you listen to either of the episodes with uh, Dale Bordelon that we did? No, I don't think I heard that one. He, uh, he says that they don't even run dogs and they just uh, use the canoes or boats or whatever. And he said he went out in his p one time to uh, get a duck and he had to uh, whack a gator in the head with his paddle to get his duck back because the gator was trying to get it before he did. Really? So, you guys can keep all that stuff down there. That's wild to me. Yeah, it's not that uh, I'm not that interested in messing with them things, but but I mean, you know, back when we were sea duck hunting, you had to watch out for seals. Yeah, yeah, I think Drew's you know, even saying that too. Yeah, the seals would, you know, they if you had a crippled bird out on the water, a dead bird out on the water, seals come swipe it. And I've never seen it personally, but I've heard stories about guys losing dogs to seals out on the ocean. But I'd be nervous about them if you guys are in those layout boats, them trying to beach up on one of those, thinking they're a rock or whatever, and sink yeah. and flip you no yeah they turn that over and as many clothes as you've got to wear out on the ocean you end up in the water you're in deep trouble talk to me about those layout boats what's that like like how long does it take to get confidence laying out like level with the water in those things oh uh, it's it's quite an experience it's neat i mean a lot of times w- where we use them you don't get big waves you know we try to you know a you lot pick of your the bait. times yeah um so originally uh, a friend and I had bought a, a two-man layout boat, and you could you could stand on the side of that thing and barely rock it. It was a it was a tank, but it was really hard. To, it was really heavy, so you had to tow it behind the boat because you couldn't like pick it up, and set it on the bow, and and it got so it was more trouble than it was worth. We sold that one, and then I had two one-man, which is what Drew hunted out of, and those were pretty fun, but they were probably not. They were more. For like a freshwater, a smaller pond, Not they the really ocean. weren't big enough to be out on the ocean. So, what's the different? Like, you mean they weren't big enough? Do you mean like width-wise, depth-wise, length-wise? What do you mean by big enough? Like width-wise and length-wise. I mean, they should have been a little bit bigger. You know, you take you take a guy that's 180, 200 pounds in that thing, and, and you know he could sit and shoot, and it wasn't like you didn't you didn't worry about tipping over. But, but, you know, different companies make different layout boats, and there's some companies out there that make them that are made for salt water and, you know, will handle some some waves. Whereas these ones we had, you just had to be careful because if it was going to be real choppy, you just didn't use them. So do, it you, worth the do you sit up like a layout blind when you go to shoot out of them, or do you just kind of? Yeah, you just kind of slide down in them, and then, you know, when the birds come by, you just sit up and, and shoot. But How do you paddle out there? Is it like you can you do just, out? Yeah, you don't paddle them out. You take them out with the with the tender, and oh, then okay. slide them off the side. And you anchor them front and rear, and then and then the guy gets out of the big boat and he and he steps down into the layout and sits down. You hand him his shotgun and then you just move the tender off and you leap. You know, you get off a, a couple hundred yards out of his way and let him hunt. So could you like if you're just a solo dude? I suppose you probably wouldn't want to do the solo, but could you like? use a kayak paddle and get it out there? Or are they too big and heavy to even maneuver? No, you could probably have done that. But it, but the other problem is like, if you wanted to hunt over a string of decoys, those boats aren't big enough to carry True. any amount of decoys. You'd have to get a trailer behind you. Yeah. 
which yeah. we've kind of done that before with kayaks and canoes. Made a little trailer, like, you know, floating decoys and stuff, leave them in the bag and tie them to the yep. back and make a trailer. But Sure. That makes sense. But, yeah, that's definitely something you probably wouldn't want to be doing much solo of anyways. Probably want to stick with no, it's, buddies. No, it's, um, yeah, the sea duck hunting stuff, you're way better off to go with a group of people because, I mean, stuff can happen in a hurry and... And it's a handful. You know, if you're dealing with tides and currents and you're trying to put out a string of decoys or something by yourself, it's a pain. Yeah. Have you tried using those layout boats in uh, smaller water then? It's not in the ocean? Um, no, we we used them for a couple of years there, and then and then those got sold too. We just got so we didn't use them out on the ocean anymore and, and sold them. And now I've got a little – it's a 16-foot – it's made by the T – made by the duck boat company but it's uh it's a copy of a Merrimeeton bay sculling boat so like it was that was like a main made handmade duck boat two people ride in it it's got a little bolt uh hole on the back you can scull it with one oar okay and you can also hang a small outboard on it that's what i hunt out of these days it's pretty cool yeah, it takes about four inches of water to float i you know i've got it grassed up so the dog and i can how do that how do they make it so they float so shallow, but you know, like that? Is it uh, is it more width? Or I really don't understand boats too much. I'm out here on the prairie, so you know more than right. I would being out there in Maine or was out yeah. there in Maine. So it's so it's got a pretty flat footprint on the bottom. Okay. So it's basically you know it has you know the the length of the boat and the width is is pretty well flat. It's just got one small keel on the bottom so to help you steer and. uh you know, it just doesn't displace much water. Okay. And that also keeps it more stable. Yes. Because it's flat. So yep. why why don't they make more boats flat then on the bottom? Is it more aerodynamic if they're V'd all the way down? Well, it, it depends on what you want to use the boat for. So so you, you take a, um, like a fishing boat or, or the boat we used to see duck hunt out of. That's what they call like a deep V style. Okay. And, and when you have a deep V boat, it actually sits down in the water better, like below the water line. It, it, it takes more water to float it, but it doesn't. But because it's sitting down in the water with that V channel, it'll, it, it gives you more stability versus like, say, a John boat, a flat bottom boat. And they don't take anything to float. But if you took a John boat out on the ocean in Maine, you're taking your life in your hands because, you know, the wind's going to blow that around and, and the waves are going to push it around. I gotcha. So don't take a John boat on the Missouri River, but if you got a good V, take it. That would work. There you go. Mississippi. I mean, you're up there in Lund country, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's what we, that's what, I've had Lund boats. I've still got a Lund boat down here, but yeah, a lot of Lunds and tra not trackers, Rangers. A lot of Ranger Rangers. boats. We're in walleye country. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much what I have for a fishing boat down here is as a walleye style Lund. It looks out of place down here but that's what we always had in maine and that's what we like to fish out of so i suppose it's probably all bass guys down there yeah everybody's got a got, got bass boats with 250 horse engines and... hmm. hope my wife listens to this and realizes i could have a lot more expensive hobbies than what i do boats are yeah, spending. She, doesn't, she, she doesn't even know how good she's got it does uh, she nope i'm a gift <laughs> We're, yeah. we're in that first week in a hunting season now, so she's kind of getting the old whiplash into uh, how much hunting season actually uh, takes a toll. Oh, yeah. 
kind of forgets about it until we get back in the hunting season. And then now we're kind of like, oh crap, every single day or every weekend and every moment I got off, I'm kind of doing it. So yeah, could be a lot worse. I could be fishing nonstop in the summer too and spending money on that. Well, the kids get a little older. You'll be doing that too. Oh yeah. We do a lot of our fishing in the wintertime. I'm just so busy in the summer with the tractors and stuff that it makes it tough. My days off, I want to relax a little bit, but in the wintertime, I do a lot of, a lot of do a lot of ice fishing and spear fishing. So we do most of it then. Huh? How, how, I've seen that spear fishing a little bit. How does that work? I've never done it. Um, well, you cut out your hole either with augers or a nice saw. Um, it's probably like, how big a hole do you cut? Probably like two foot by three foot, like a rectangle. I mean, you know, two by three ish, maybe a little bit bigger. You like, if you got an eight inch auger, we usually do four holes by three holes. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then, uh, put your hut over top of it. If you got a nice or a spear fishing hut, like a dark house, you want it to be as dark as you can in there. Snow lights coming in and there's no light on the bottom. You want to pack that all in snow. So that way it's as dark as possible in there. And obviously you got to do it during the day. You can't night do this unless you're going to put lights down there. And, uh, yeah, you just sit there. You got a decoy. They're usually hand carved wood decoys. There's a lot of people that carve them up here and they got like metal fins and you can adjust them. And then you put, uh, you know what a tip up is? Yes. Fishing tip up. So you just tip up line that like uh, rope stuff tie it up to the top of the, either the hut or the uh, dark house, go to the, uh, decoy. And then it just kind of depends on the time of year. You're going to, how deep or shallow you're going to put your decoy. And then you might have teasers too, which is like a daredevil without the hook with a golf ball on it that just sits there and spins. But anyways, that decoy hangs on that string and just kind of floats there and you jerk on it every now and again and it'll lift it up and it'll drop down and it drops down and it spins around in a great big loop. So you just kind of want movement and then something for the fish to look at. And then the uh, pike or walleye, depending on what we're going after, will come in and check it out. And usually you're just kind of sitting there with your buddy bullshitting and watching the hole. And it's not like deer hunting. It's as close to deer hunting as you can when you're fishing, but like you'll hear deer coming, you know, if you're sitting in the stand, you don't hear the pike or know that they're coming until they're there. You might be talking, looking in the hole and they've come in so slow. You don't even realize there's one with his nose pretty much touching your decoy. Most of the time, right. if they're aggressive every now and again, they'll come in flying from, you don't know where, and they'll just whack that decoy and take it. And, uh, anyways, yeah, you just got your spear, you wait there and Usually they just come in slow like that to kind of check it out. And you just put the spear slowly down the water, get it right over top, right behind their head and throw it down stick them to the ground, oh. pull it up. And there's no catch and release with it though. So if you're going to get one, you <laughs> want to make sure it's big enough for you. But like, like I said, with those ones that come in out of nowhere, the biggest one I got was two years ago when we were, we had some really shallow stuff. We were on a river and it was real shallow. It was like probably six inches from the bottom of the ice to the uh, ground. So it was, it was real, real shallow water, but anyways, and it was like really silty bottom and this pike came flying out of nowhere and grabbed the decoy and was pulling on it. Like it was stuck in its mouth. And when it came through, it lifted up all that dirt. So I couldn't see anything, but anyways, it was pulling on the decoy. So I just threw at the end of the string on the decoy and I stuck it like perfectly center. And it was the biggest pike I've ever speared. Real good one. So huh, it's cool. fun. It's kind of, a, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. A lot better than ice fishing. I like it more cause it's more, uh, hunting wise more hunting right than just staring at tip ups or sitting there and jigging all day at least you can see fish you'll see other things go through like big old carp and stuff like that you'll see like a carp just come floating by with his back like dragging the bottom of the ice like a big old taxi cab it looks like because they're all bright yellow it's fun i like it yeah 
Huh, that sounds like fun. Not much of that going on in uh, Texas, I'm sure. No, no, no. They don't. They don't know what a tip up is down here. <laughs> Did you guys do any ice fishing up there in Maine then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ice drinking. What did you guys go for up there? Um, so there's a lot of lakes that have salmon and lake trout, and and then of course there's there's always ponds that are full of perch and and bass and you know a lot of a lot of people. Uh, it's more of a social thing, you know. Everybody goes out on the lake on Saturday and rides the snowmobiles around, and you know the the fishing part is secondary to the to the hanging out and and having cocktails and and that sort of thing more minnesota like than up here there's not enough people up here that really do it to uh get a good crowd like that i'm sure once you get to fort peck when it's an actual lake it would be but again i'm out here on the prairie we got a couple of rivers and maybe a slough they've got fish in it so right right huh that's pretty cool so when you're going for the lake trout up there, are you tip-ups or are you uh, chasing them around and popping a bunch of holes and jigging them? Uh, so a lot of times, they normally they'll just use tip-ups. But uh, a lot of guys will have like an ice shack, you know, with a hole in the floor. And they'll they'll jig a spoon, you know, on a little jig rod, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you catch a, you know, a six or eight pound lake trout that's 26, 28 inches long on a on a jig rod that's two and a half feet long. It's, that's a handful. But, that's fun. That's the same thing yeah. we do with pike with them. We like to go with a medium rod, so that way if you do catch a pike on it, it feels real fun. But yeah. uh, it's uh yeah, I'd still rather spearfish than do that though. It is fun though when you get a good one on the rod though. Those little rods right. they fight good. They fight real good. Yeah. We uh we have a I guess a little trout pond in the town that I used to live in in Culbertson, and it's just a bunch of little rainbows. They were like foot and a half at the biggest. But we bought a couple light rods for that, and then uh, me and my buddy went out pike fishing and he had one of those along and he caught a pike on it It wasn't even a big one it was just like a hammer handle like a foot long yep. but the way that was screaming dragging that rod was about bent all the way over into a heart shape <laughs> you or a teardrop i mean that you'd have thought that thing was six footer it's fun yeah so you uh said you've got a lab do you did you train your own or did you send them off somewhere no i i um i trained her myself uh she's she's back here taking a nap somewhere but she's nine now her hips are getting a little soft but she still she still wants to go we just we just pick the days and pick the birds but no i I got her as a puppy and and read some books and watched some youtube videos and and uh i mean she's not the world champion but she she, she's smart enough that it makes it look like i knew what i was doing when i trained her but that's part of it i've seen some uh I've seen some dogs, all they do is uh, hunt, test, or field trials, and they've never actually been out in a field. Yeah. And uh, they might, they could have 100 ribbons on them, but the second you got them out there with real guns and real birds and real people, yeah, they don't even know what's going on. So that's a big thing. As long as she gets out yeah. there and picks up birds, listens to you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all I, you know, I mean, she's steady. She sits in the boat. She doesn't break. So, you know, she'll, she'll pick up about any bird, that, you know, unless it gets out in the grass and she can't find it, you got to help her a little bit, but. That's I mean, the biggest thing is not breaking. That's my, uh, that's my pet peeve. I want yeah, to be solid. Too. So Mostly for the, we really worked on when she was a puppy and yeah, the safety thing on that is the big deal for me. Yeah. If you're like doing layouts and yeah, it should be on you and your dog to know what's going on enough, not somebody else to be watching for your dog. So I want to know for sure that my dog is not going to be the issue. 
Right. Yep, I agree. Because nobody wants to shoot a dog, even if they didn't mean to. You might be mad at yeah. them, but that's no, probably that, one of their that, worst days, too, if they just shot a dog in the back of the head. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that ruins everybody's day. Also, like, if you're doing, like, a panel blind or a box blind or whatever, you got a couple people, a dog that doesn't set, so they're running up and down the thing, and there's guns leaned up everywhere, that gives me the heebie-jeebies big time. Just takes one tail to knock a gun over. We actually had that. I saw a gun get knocked over in the blind, and it went, like, three-quarters this way instead of all the way down. It was close. It was real close. Mm. And we were all, he was now at the end, so it was all towards all of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what do you run for dogs? Uh, labs. Yeah, I've uh, I also train a couple labs here and there for other people, and then uh, yeah, my buddies all got the uh, pointers and fast dogs, so that's why I like going with them when we go upland hunting. Cause, yeah, uh, labs not really made for this heat and upland hunting. It's kind of funny right. when you go with them. Like they got a uh, the one's got she's a small little German short hair pointer. Like she's a tiny light little thing, and then uh, setters and things like that and so like when we're going through like cattails and brushing stuff they're just kind of like weaving they don't even make a noise and then all of a sudden you hear my dog coming along all 80 pounds of him (laughs) knocking over cattails and making like a big old v right through it and then those little dogs just sneaking their way through not even making a sound yeah yeah he has a good time though what are you guys hunting for upland birds out there pheasants probably not yet well eventually it will be but it's not pheasant season yet uh it's grouse and partridge and morning dove is open right now. Uh, but yeah, we just got like sharpies, sharp tails, and uh, uh, partridge up here. And honestly, I thought there's gonna be more sharp tails than there was, but it looks pretty. From what I've seen, it looks pretty rough. There's not. There's a lot of pheasants, but there's not very many sharp tails right now. Hmm. So, quite a few people are disappointed. I've talked to. I like to uh, as much as I make fun of the out of staters for coming here with their toppers and their pop-up campers and everything stickers all over the windows and 16 dogs um i like to stop and talk to them see where they're from why they're coming yeah. out most of the time I've, I've only had one or two guys that were real assholes to me so but all of them kind of said the same thing they they've come out for a couple of years and this is the worst year they've seen for sharp tails and partridge are nothing to uh be proud of either right now either so oh did you guys have a wet spring or something they didn't have yeah a good well we actually what, what happened? we actually got rain for once because we've been in drought for a while but it looked like the pheasants did all right, but everything else, it just, I just assume because the pheasants look like they're doing good, everything else is going to be doing good, but it just doesn't look like there's very many. I don't know what would have happened with them. I'm not quite up to the science on how they hatch and whatnot either, so I don't know what moisture does to those. Pheasants I'm a little bit more knowledgeable on, but yeah, sharp tails and partridge, I am not. <clears throat> but they're more of a secondary for me. Usually this time of year, I'm out chasing things with my bow and then once we get into pheasant season is when I get more, once it cools down to with the labs is when I get more into the uh, birds. Yeah. You guys, goose season must have started for you guys, didn't it? Uh, and over North Dakota it did, east of me, yeah. about an hour. But we aren't yet. We're the end of September every year. I think it's the last weekend of September it starts. But yeah. don't quote me on that. I When I was a kid in high school, I used to have all the dates memorized by the time the books came out. But anymore, I've got too many things going on. But I think it's usually yeah. the last week into September, right around then. Right. I suppose I'll probably be getting a Ducks Unlimited banquet deal in the mail coming up here, and that'll tell me what, because it's usually the Friday before it opens. Like they'll have it Friday night, and then it opens on Saturday. So, yeah. Once I get that in the mail, then I'll know when it starts. There but you go. I haven't really been seeing too many of them flying around either. It's been, uh, I've seen ducks on the water and 
geese here and there on the water, but I really haven't seen anything flying around this year yet. So I don't know if they're still too young or what's going on, but usually by now I'm seeing flocks. Huh. What else is going on? Tell me some more cool stories. You've been all over the place. Oh, I don't know. Uh, wild weather, wild uh, people. Think... Who's the craziest okay. dude you've ever hunted with? Craziest dude I ever hunted with? Or what What would he have done that made you think, Jesus, that dude? Man, I don't know. Hunted with a lot of people. Um, maybe you are the crazy dude, and that's why. I don't. Maybe. I, I don't think I am, but maybe. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, we hunted with some, you know, as far as like, like hardcore guys. I never met anybody more hardcore than Blake is. Um, but no, I don't know. I mean, most of the people have been pretty good. The, the goose Nazi, he was, that guy sticks out. Goose Nazi and Blake. Goose Nazi and Blake, you really ought to see, you ought, you ought to find out if, if Goose Nazi is, is available to come on to this podcast. He'd be a hoot. He'd be a hoot. I suppose next time I ask Blake if he'll come on, he'll probably text me that guy's number. There you go. Just just tell him, say, listen, I either need you or the Goose Nazi. So, or both. Yeah, or both. And then I'll uh, just hit record and I'll mute my mic and I'll just walk away and let him talk goose hunting because there's nothing I can say that would bring anything to the conversation. <laughs> Once Blake, If I get Blake actually to come on, that's pretty much what's going to happen. I'm just be like, all right, everything you got, as much as you want to give, let her go. And he could probably go for three days by himself and – he probably could, probably could. Uh, let's see. Well, October, I'm headed back to Maine, going on a moose hunt with a friend of mine. You draw the tag or did he? He did. He did? He did. So back back in 2009, a friend of ours drew a tag and the three of us went. And then in 2020, I drew a tag and the three of us went. And now the last one of the group has, has finally drawn a tag. So. Did you get yours? What's that? Did you get one? No, I didn't kill a moose. Um, I had a bull tag, and we saw, oh, we did some scouting and found a bunch of sign, and then we went in Monday morning, and we saw a cow and a calf Monday morning. It was, it turned off. We had a really warm week, and not much was moving, and the next live moose we saw was Friday morning, and and I, I took a shot at it, and I didn't kill it. Hmm. and uh and that was the only opportunity i had but it was it was tough um i have a friend of mine that's an outfitter it was in the same area and he was guiding that week and they they you know they struggled all week i don't know if they killed a moose either but just how it goes yeah so hmm. that was crazy i really want to get a moose real bad that'd be real cool so do you guys have them out there we do but there's not enough to where like you'd have to draw a tag and it's pretty much a once in a lifetime tag up here to get it. Yep. It'd be uh I mean we see enough of them if we got a tag I wouldn't have an issue getting one. We see quite a few just deer hunting every year. Yeah. I, I kept a count last year. I'd have to find that piece of paper. I had a tally in my pickup. I'll just mark it every moose I saw. I want to say that I was over 30. Really? But I can't say for sure. I'll have to find out. I like to keep tallies things. Like I tally my uh, fawns every year, my antelope, mule deer, and whitetail, and I do them by uh, singles or uh, twins. And then um, any I've got a running tally of deer with broken ears because there's quite a few of yeah. those up around here. They fight real hard, so you get a lot of bucks with broken ears. So in the wintertime, even after they shed their antlers, if you see deer with broken ears, most of the time it's a buck. 
I'd say ninety oh. percent of the time. So then I, I do that and yeah, keep tallies my moose, uh, elk, and then you know other things here and there. Pretty cool to yeah. see over the years. So yeah, if if you if you ever wanted if you if you want to kill a moose, you can put in for the main moose hunt. Oh, I think it comes out in February, and you can as a non-resident. I believe you can buy as many chances a year as you want. How much is a chance? And, and, uh, I, I want to say for a non-resident, it's $10 a chance. So if you don't buy 600 chances, you probably don't even have a chance. Well, what what the way it works is that if you, let's just say you bought five chances this year, but you didn't get drawn. So next year, if you put in again, you get five extra bonus points because you bought chances the year before. And every year you do that, you, your chances increase. It took, I think I put in for close to 20 years before I got drawn. As a main resident, you're only allowed to buy one chance a year, but a non-resident can buy as many as they want to. How much? So if you actually draw it, how much does the tag cost? Uh, 50 or 75 bucks. For the non-resident? Uh, no, probably for a non-resident. I'd say it's probably a couple hundred bucks. It's not, none of it's outrageous. You know, and then, you know, once you had the tag, because there's different zones in the state. That's what I was going to say. Is it a statewide tag or how does that work? No, there's a bunch of different zones in the state, wildlife management districts. So you, when you fill out your permit, your application, you can put in the zones and preference that you want. And then you can also, you can say, well, I'd take a bull tag or a cow tag. I don't care. Or I only want a bull tag. You know, you can do it that way too. And then is it all rifle or is it archery? rifle you option can, or what like what's you your best odds whatever, like if you did a whatever cow you want to kill it with if you did oh so it's it's an either uh weapon tag you don't there's not archery specific yeah. or rifle specific no it just gives you a it just gives you a tag and you can kill it with a rifle or or archery see like here i game the system to where i go archery females like when i go for my sheep and stuff like that to try to improve my odds the tags that people aren't clamoring for everybody wants a uh, rifle uh ram tag let's say for sheep no yep. one goes for an archery you so get a little bit better odds that way yeah yeah but. and then and then once you had the tag you can either you can do it yourself or you can hire a, a, an outfitter or you know you could you got several options that way well but. the way it sounds i wouldn't hire you as an outfitter well <laughs> that could be arranged <laughs> so here, here's a good here i got a i got a good hunting story for you so so uh, I was telling you, I got a friend that's an outfitter up there where I was moose hunting. And um, for the past few years, until I moved, I would go guide bear hunters one week for him a year. And um, it was bear, bear hunting over bait. And we always have some characters come up through. We had a guy come in a few years ago that was 100% blind. And he killed a bear. How did he do that? He's got a... He's got a custom built. It's like a Remington Model 700 with this custom stock on it, and the scope is mounted all the way back where you would rest your cheek on the stock. And and he puts the gun in a tripod, and he has like the outfitter stand behind him and telling left, right, up, down, looking through the scope. And then when he when he's when he's got it where he wants it, we told him to squeeze the trigger, and he piled up a bear. So like. The outfitter's looking through the scope then. The outfitter's looking through the scope for him. That's crazy. But this guy shoots, he's from Alabama, and he shoots competition out to like 700 yards with that rifle. 
So the guy, I suppose the guy isn't putting his uh, face on the stock thing. Because I was going to say, if you got two people touching the stock, that's a lot yeah. of things that could change. No, he, he kind of tips his tips his head down, puts his chin on his chest, you know, kind of out of the way so that, uh, you know, whoever's running the scope for him can look through the scope. Huh. If there's kind of a will, there's a way. That's right. Right. And that guy, he'd been all over the place hunting stuff. He he did long distance horseback riding and pretty interesting guy. But do you archery on it all or are you just a rifle guy? Just yeah, I'm not an archery guy. Yeah. No uh man, I I guided bear hunters for a long time and I don't know. I, I just I've seen enough horror stories that I just do not shoot anything with an arrow. Understandable, totally understandable. You, uh, you 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 shoot a bear with a with a rifle or a shotgun. It's pretty well playing right there. You shoot one with with a bow and you're chasing it. Doesn't matter, you know. Once in a once in a great while, you'll, you somebody will actually pile one up with an arrow, but it's rare. You know, they always run. So you guided for black bear up there then? Yeah. All right, you can take me out on that then. That's on my bucket list is bear. We can we can arrange that. Um, so Maine, Maine's got more bears than anywhere else in the lower forty-eight. I've heard that, and um, and they're they're actually populating fast enough that there was talk. It's always been a one bear per year per hunter deal, and now there was talk about being able to buy extra tags over the counter if you want to kill more than one. What's it? Uh, what's it like for non-resident to get the tags? You probably know that one too, since you got outfitted for them. Uh, you just you just buy them over the counter. That one's an over the counter. What's the uh, yeah. non-resident price on it? Uh, a couple hundred bucks. Hmm. It's it's not outrageous. I don't remember now. I usually I never had to deal with getting the licenses. Usually they had them when they got there, but but it's not terrible. What's the uh, procedure for getting? I've never had to do this. this procedure for getting meat all the way back. Well, you can. Uh, so there's a couple ways you could do it. Say say you flew in and went on a bear hunt. And, and you were successful, if you want to take the meat back, you can put it in a, you can, you would freeze it at the outfitters. He's got some deep freeze and you could pack it in a cooler and you can actually check that cooler on your flight. Just take the crap out of it and make sure it's all covered and won't come apart. Yeah. I would, I mean, the best way to do it is to debone it. And then, you know, you go buy a $30, igloo cooler or whatever and fill the cooler make sure everything was frozen solid and then um you tape the cooler closed because they need to be able to open it up and look that's how we were flying snow geese back from north dakota okay and then uh, and then they check it and they'll tape it back up and, and you check the bag and you know try not to have an extra long layover and normally like like uh like if you do the uh bear like uh debone it and uh vac seal it and then freeze them so that way it's yeah you could yeah you could vacuum seal it you could just you could just put it in bags just to get it home i mean if you all depends on how much time you want to spend on it yeah i was just a lot of the guys that come on a bear hunt actually don't want the meat and the outfitter has local families that will take all of it so none of it goes to waste but a lot of the guys just want to hide well i'm a meat guy is it spring or fall for those bears over there just fall. Just fall. Okay. If you want to go on a spring bear hunt, you have to go to Canada. You could go to New Brunswick. I'm not sure what other provinces have it, but. Okay. 
Well, if I'm going to Canada, I'll just go up north of me up here in uh, the Saskatchewan, Manitoba border up there right. in the woods. I yep. know me and my friend were talking about, we we're trying to figure out if we want to try to go over to Idaho and uh, self, um, self-guide or whatever. Do it yourself. Do you it out there if we want to get a, he went, he won a trip with a guide up there in Canada and he got, became good friends with him and said that we could come back up whenever we wanted for not a full price or whatever and nice do it that way so we're trying to figure out which way we want to go if we want to hassle with canada and or if we want to diy it and what we're trying to do but i don't know i don't know i'd like a if i'm going to do it i want for sure meat though is a thing that's what makes yeah. me, i don't quite want to do diy because i don't want to waste all the time and money going way out there for nothing and then if you go to canada then it's a hassle for the prices and just the hassle of bringing weapons into Canada and back. Yeah. So that's I, mean, my I know a guy that, that has done, he's done it several years now. Uh, two guys rather, they did a do it yourself moose hunt in Alaska. Even do it yourself moose hunt. Moose hunt in general is just so expensive. That's a dream, but it, it, he said, he said it costs them roughly 6,500 bucks to do it, which I don't think is that crazy considering they fly from Maine to Alaska they hire a float plane to, to take them out to, I guess there's some like public, some WMAs or, or some public ground out there. You can hunt. You don't have to have a guide. And that's what they do. They go pitch a tent. And then when they kill a moose, they radio the float plane. He comes in and gets, gets one moose and then they go hunting for the other guy's moose. They, they go for 10 or 12 days. See, I was, I can't remember where I was listening to this on, but there was a show and they were talking about, how there's pilots up there that you can hire them as a uh, uh, what is it? It was it's either Canada or Alaska. I think it was Alaska, but it's like a service to where like you mark your spot, like you put down a deposit of six hundred dollars or whatever it is for your spot with him for the year, and then you uh-huh. go out there, you tell him what dates you're going to be out there, and if you get something, you call him and tell him where you're at, and he'll fly in and. You obviously are cutting it up and whatever, packaging it, or not packaging it, but coolering it. And he'll yep. take in his plane flight to his main area, wherever it is, and he's got a bunker or whatever full of freezers, and he just has coolers full of the meat. And then um, every so many weeks, he flies it down to the U.S. to, like, he's got spots throughout the country where he goes, and you have to meet him at that spot at this day, at this time to pick up your meat. Otherwise, oh. he's giving it to the Salvation Army or whatever it is there, and your SOL. Yep. But and if you don't get it, you're just out your deposit. And if you do get it, then you pay the rest of your price. And then, like, he keeps it all there in Alaska. And then the way he flies or whatever, he doesn't have to go through Canada or anything. He just comes down. And, yeah. I think the one guy said he meets him in Indianapolis. Where was I listening to that at? It was a pretty cool idea. And you'd think he makes quite a bit of money. People that go out there and don't even get anything. They just pay their deposit. And then he never right. has to spend fuel or nothing on them. Huh. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Maybe I'll start doing that. I'll just drive around. You shoot your elk or whatever here in Montana, then you fly home, and then I'll drive it across the country for you for a hefty price. There you go. I don't mind driving. What other big game are you going to go chase around, or what's in your future plans besides that moose? Um, I don't know. Of course, that moose, I'm just going. I'm just yeah, tagging you're along. Yeah, taking along. But, but um, I don't know. I mean, like to get out west, I guess. I always wanted to go kill a mountain lion, but I don't know that I'll ever get around to it. You know, I always want to chase one with the hounds, but 
Me and Drew have that on our list. He wants to go shoot it with a gun. I want to try to do it with a bow. Get him up in yeah. tree and shoot him straight up. But that's pretty uh, – that's on the list at some point. Yeah, that would that would be that'd be quite a hot. I know some guys that have done that. They said that was, you know, coming from Maine out into, you know, they'd go out there into the mountains and climb mountains. They said that, you know, that was the hardest thing they ever did. But yeah, yeah, I've got quite a few friends that are from the uh, Iowa-ish flat area, yeah. and even yeah. out, even just coming up to where I'm at, I'm not in the mountains, but just climbing some of the uh, crap that we have here, the breaks and stuff. They yeah. are gassed after the first one. Not to say that I'm in good enough shape to be bragging or anything, but I feel I feel like Superman when those guys show up. Yeah, you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I get around some of my friends that are in better shape and actually go to the mountains all the time and stuff, and I look terrible. But Well, I got one friend that lives down by uh, Jackson Hole. I just always say that because it's the biggest area that everybody knows down there in Wyoming. And the last time we went down there, we went golfing, and uh, – just carrying my golf bag and after like three holes i was like pale and hands on my knees <laughs> gasping for breath we had like we drove all day we got there in the evening then we drank a bunch of beer and then we woke up in the morning and went golfing and up there in the mountains and that elevation got me that next morning but it's no joke is that something you have to get back i guess maine's probably not that tall is it since you're close to the ocean or uh, it's, it's got some, I can't remember the, the highest peak is Mount Katahdin. I can't remember the footage, but it's not, it's nothing like they have out West, but, but it's not, I mean, we have some Hills and there's some mountains, Western, Western Maine butts up against Quebec and New Hampshire. And there's some, there's some yeah. pretty steep stuff over there. Yeah. Um, I know there's mountains. I just didn't know. Cause like out here, what are we sitting at? We're sitting at 2000 feet where I'm at and we're out here on the prairie. And with you guys being yeah. by the coast, I didn't know how much of a height you guys actually got at your highest points. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I can't remember what what Katahdin is, but um, make this fancy thing called Google that could tell me here in two seconds. Yeah, that's what I'm. Tallest point in Maine, Katahdin. Is that what you said? Katahdin. Five thousand two hundred sixty-nine. Prominence four thousand two hundred eighty-eight. Yep. So, two or three thousand higher than where I'm sitting at right now. I think we're at like twenty-two hundred here. Twenty-three hundred. Yep. Probably could Google yeah, that that's... one too, so I'm not misleading the people. 2,467. Yeah. So, about double what Similar. I meant. Yeah. Um, so, like I was saying, when you go back there, does it, because Texas, oh, is where you're at in Texas pretty low? It should be. Um. Yeah, it's not. So, so there's, of course, Texas is just so big that, you know, anytime you tell somebody about Texas, they automatically just think flat and, and tumbleweeds. Yeah. But, you know, where I'm at, we're in, we got some pretty good hills. You know, it's definitely not mountainous, but, but we're it's still hill into country. some hills here. You yeah. see right up next to, not the, is it the Appalachians that are over there in Arkansas? Just east of you? No, uh, in Arkansas, they have the Ozarks. Ozarks. I thought they had some mountains there too, like the edge of the eastern edge the of the Appalachians run from like Georgia up to Maine. That shows you how much I know. I don't know the east very well. I know the Appalachians are there somewhere. Yeah. Man. What what do you run as far as a gun? Are you a twenty gauge guy um, yet or are you still in the twelves? Yeah, no, I'm still shooting twelves. I've got an SBE three and and I've got a Versamax. What do you think of your Versamax? I like it. I've had it a while. So, so I'm a left-handed shooter. So it's always been 
it's always been a struggle around guns. I mean, I started out, I hunted with Mossbergs forever. And then um, I got that Versamax when it first came out. And it was, it was great. The thing has never, never gave me any trouble. And, uh, and then last year was the first year I hunted with that SBE3, which I like that. So, Which one do you prefer? Which one are you pulling out? Um, I, I'm still, I'm still hunting with the SBE more because it's, because I haven't played with it as much. It's, it's the still new toy. New. Yeah, it's still the new toy. So, but, but I, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to dig the Versamax back out. I mean, we took that to the Dakotas. It's been all over the place with me. It's been great gun. Was it, I suppose it's probably one of the older models. Uh, maybe 2016, 15 or 16. Okay. So. That's about when I had mine. Mine was hit and miss. When it worked good, I liked it. Had like yep. no recoil and, but I ended up getting some issues with it and they were not the best to deal with on those issues. When I was talking to them is when they were going through this whole thing of a failing company and whatnot. And oh, it, uh, yeah, I ended up selling the thing and, yeah. uh, haven't looked back since, but they were, uh, yeah, when, when it worked good, I liked it cause it had like no recoil and when it was working good, it ate any shell that I gave it, but. When it didn't work, it wouldn't work, and gunsmiths oh. didn't want to touch it, and uh, Remington didn't want to deal with me very much. So, yeah, I um, I had a I had a left-handed 870 for a few years, and that that was the worst gun I've ever owned in my life. Had, I had tons of trouble, and Remington was good about it, and I sent it back several times. We we never we never got it squared away, but. Hmm. But that Versamax has been great. So, how do you deal with the uh, trigger guard safety then, being left-handed? Like, do you just flip a finger underneath and hit it? Well, on a, on a left-handed gun, everything is switched over. Yeah, yeah. But, I meant though, if you have I to mean, use bro, it right-handed, because like that well, Mossberg, aren't they? I mean, aren't they early on, the back? on? I always, yeah, I always hunted with Mossbergs because they had that tang safety up on the top, and you know the shells would still eject out the right, but that doesn't bother you much. But yeah, they're gone before you even realize it. Up and gone. Yeah. And, and you know everybody everybody hates on a Mossberg, but I'll tell you that thing was I still got it sold eight thirty five you know the original three and a half inch gun and that thing that thing's been great I mean we've used it for a boat paddle and we've I mean we killed back in the day well back in the day we were chasing bear bear dogs and uh, once in a while you'd get onto a bear that would you'd have an archery hunter or something you'd have a bear that was walking on the ground wouldn't treat and we killed several several bears with three and a half inch double lot box. You know, you you can't really can't really fling an arrow when you got a a bear walking on the walk running across the road, but you hand them that shotgun, they pile them off. Yeah. So. Kind of sounds like the old Nova for me, using it as a boat paddle and whatnot. Yeah. Run it through the mud. I paid too little to care about what it looked like, as long as it got yeah. the job done. Well. Yeah, I mean it's a tool just like anything else, but yeah. Some now of these... they get more and more expensive, but they're still just a tool. The other shotguns I have, like with the wood stocks and stuff, they uh I have my little I don't do with them what I do with the Nova, is what I'll say. Right. They don't get well, out on too many uh duck hunts. No, but but they've got a place, I'm sure. Upland and trap shooting and if we're doing like something like a good nice field duck hunt, I'll bring them out, but like if I know we're gonna be out in a boat in the middle of a slough and really crappy deep mud and stuff like that, and definitely not a snow goose hunt for me. But yeah, 
That's what they're best for, that Nova and the Snow Goose Hunt. Yeah. the crap out of that. Then you don't have to worry about anything freezing up, nothing mechanical. If you if you got the strength to open that action, it'll right. open. We had one, one time me and Drew crawled up on a pile of snows, and we crawled through this field that had been turned over in the fall. And then, you know, it's spring in North Dakota, so it's frozen. It's thawed out for about four inches and then frozen underneath. So it was just a sloppy mud. And we crawled all the way through, drug those Novas, I don't know how far, all the way across this field, and then down through his fence, down this bottom, and jumped these snow geese off. And we both shot our first shells, and it was so jammed up and iced up with that mud and the actions, we couldn't open them, so we had to beat them on the ground like that to get them open, jack the shell back in, and we unloaded on the rest of them, got a couple geese, and they ran <laughs> after that. And I don't even think we cleaned them after that. When we, no, maybe we did. We took them apart and just kind of brushed them out a little bit, got all the mud out of everything, and then put them back together and went the rest of the day. Yeah. Huh. What else? Do you got anything else for us before I let you get out of here and get on with your day? Uh, no, I think we've covered quite a few things. Yeah. Sorry, I was so scramble-brained today. It's been quite the weekend. It's supposed to be a relaxing long weekend, right? Never is, is it? No, not even at all. So, well, if you got nothing else, um, I guess for DuckSeason.com, uh, if you want to go on there. It's in the intro too, guys. I know everybody skips through the uh, ads, but if you guys are wanting to do a traded hunt, get signed up. Anybody can do it. You uh, just got to send in your info. Do you handle that too, or is it usually Eddie that just takes care of that stuff? Eddie usually handles most of that stuff. Yeah. Send your stuff to Eddie. On I think on the site you can do it, where you're at, what you do, and uh, they put it on there. I'm on there. So yeah, I'm on there. I'm on there. I mean, there's you know, it's still it's still fairly small, but it's growing and and. Uh, yeah, I think once it catches some traction, it's going to take off. I mean, I you got some I don't good know about you, but sponsors I mean, on I, there too, like Gun Dog Supplies on there, right? Is that one of them? And I can't remember the other ones. I just looked at it the other day. I think that I could picture in my head. Highland Retrievers yeah. is on there. This podcast is on there. So very big important yeah. things. Well, I would encourage everybody to to go sign up, make a profile, and. Yeah, read and, some uh, of the stuff on there. I think Blake Lawrence has got some stuff on there too, doesn't he? Like he wrote yeah, a he couple does. things. He trades a lot of hunts with a lot of people. He's been he's yeah. been all over the map. Yeah, that's something but it, too. It's definitely a great way to hunt and to make some new friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you guys might be Blake Lawrence or uh, I don't know. Is a goose Nazi on there? A goose Nazi or Dirty Mike or Dirty Mike or me? Eddie's on there. I think Drew's on there yep. too. Anybody that we've talked about is probably on there already. So, well, thanks for coming on. Um, you're more than welcome to come on whenever you want. Maybe when we get towards the end of season, we both shot some stuff. We can chat again. I'll be a little more settled in, straight and narrowed, not so flustered like I am today. Well, definitely. Let's do it. Yep. You have a good weekend. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks. Yep. Bye. All right, we are going to be drawing the number for the winner for the first item in the giveaway, which is the lanyard from Darkwater Customs. Uh, Cassidy's going to be pulling the number out, and it is number 12. So I'll count this out here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, Bella Rasmussen, you have won the lanyard from Darkwater Customs. Uh, send me a message on Instagram. We'll get this lined up, and uh, we can get lined up here with Darkwater Customs, and you can get this customized however you wanted and get it shipped out to you. So thanks for everyone that entered. 
Uh, that's just week one. We've got quite a few weeks left here. Um, make sure to tell your friends. Let's get some more people in on this. Make this thing big and loud. So uh, again, thanks for everyone for joining in. And congrats to Bella on winning the lanyard.